Hi, welcome to Journeys in Faith here on this Friday evening on the Santos YouTube channel. You might notice that the person seated next to me here is a good friend of mine who's been on the show more than once. And so we're so glad to have back Carlos Solorzano. He is a Catholic author and speaker with Catholic uh, Speakers Organization. And he's a very good friend, both of myself and of my co-host for my other podcast, Sewing Hope, Bill Snyder. Welcome, Carlos. Thank you so Hi. much for joining us again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me back. Yes. Yeah. There's always so much to catch up on because, yes. you know, we're both in Catholic ministry. You wrote the wonderful book that I've talked about so many times, I Am His Mother, which is available on Amazon. And you did a great job with that book, but you're also a teacher for so many years and a husband, a father, a catechist. Um, Tell us just as we begin, like for newcomers, people mm -hmm. who haven't seen some of the other podcasts, a little bit about yourself and anything you'd like to share. Sure. Oh, well, I'm a cradle Catholic, you know, born and raised in a devoted Catholic family. My parents were uh, both uh, first generation Mexican-Americans born here. My um, father was a teacher and uh, he was a language and a theology teacher for many years before he retired. My mother was a uh, first a stay-at-home mom, and then she worked for the city of Carson, uh, which is where I grew up, Carson, California, which is sort of next to Long Beach, California, and the suburban part of Los Angeles. Um, I did not go to Catholic school until high school. That was a decision that my father made for myself and my sister, but it ended up being a good decision because um, taking those theology classes in high school was the first uh, sort of the first spark that made me consider teaching theology. Prior to that, I was, I mean, I'm still a musician. I still work professionally actually outside of teaching, but um, my faith life was always there. And I actually have no problem saying a lot of that kept me out of a lot of trouble when it comes to what's common in the, you know, the arts, which can be a little distracting when it comes to a person of faith. But, um, I started out actually as a music major. I was starting first at uh, El Camino Community College in Torrance, California, where I did earn my associate's degree in music. And when I transferred to Cal State Long Beach, I did study music for another year. And then I ended up changing my major to religious studies and then would start teaching right after college. And then about six years into my teaching career, I, I went back to school part time and got my master's degree in, in religious studies where with an emphasis on New Testament and ancient Christianity. So in my mind, I was going to teach scripture. And I did that for a number of years at the high school level. And long story short, I ended up being moved into morality where you get to answer all those real tough questions and try to explain the church's teaching in this culture that's really fighting it. And it wasn't too long after that, that all of a sudden I was exposed to the theology of the body. And before I knew it, Anna, I was in your town because I was uh, given the opportunity to start going to the Theology of the Body Institute for courses. And after taking eight trips to Philadelphia and taking eight courses and then doing my uh, certification work at home and all my exams, I was also certified through the Theology of the Body Institute. So that led to me doing talks in my diocese, which is now Tucson, Arizona, as I've been out here now since 2006. And I, I've also been doing talks at conferences. I've obviously done some talks with some of your ministry and I've done some, I've been invited to speak both online and in person 
both with Catholic Speakers Organization as well as some other Catholic ministries who brought me in to, to share some of my insights, both on theology of the body. And now I'm starting to get into apologetics because of the fact that we as a church are also dealing with secularism. So that's where our plate is full, but we can't ignore all that's on the plate because it's, it's making, it's challenging, but we do have the resources and the wisdom to be in that discussion and show the truths of the Catholic faith. Yeah. Every time you come on the podcast, there's always something new that you share with our audience and with me that I learn. And I should have mentioned at the beginning that your love of music. And I yes. think that's a really important thing for us to also talk about because it's really, you're really multifaceted. You're one of those people that you have the interest obviously in your faith, but you're a school teacher teaching Catholic school for how many years now? This is my 28th year. Oh, wow. <laughs> Plus, you're doing a wonderful job. I mean, I know that you and I have talked about that and uh, you've learned so much from your students and even, you know, just from the experience of teaching. Mm -hmm. But I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about this music aspect of you, because I don't think we've really explored that enough on some of our previous podcasts. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you do with your music career as well? Sure. That's you're right. We haven't really talked about that. Um, well, I grew up, my parents both love music. Um, my father loved Latin jazz, um, different, all kinds of genres. My mother loved the, the old Motown and also rhythm was a big part of the music of what we liked. And so I was blessed because I was attracted to drums. And when I wanted to learn to play drum set, my, my father made me a deal. He said, I will buy you a drum set if you take lessons, I said, sure. I mean, I, I was all up for, for learning whatever I could. So I started taking drum lessons formally in third grade and I did it all through my early college years. It, I eventually went from private instruction to then studying um, music at, at, a, at a community college first, which was eye-opening because I, I was always interested in, in drummers who wrote music as well. They didn't just play drums in their group. So, I, I wanted to be like that. So I remember kind of, I started noodling with guitar a little bit when I was in high school. And then when I went to college, I'm suddenly learning how to read, you know, harmonic music, not just drum music. So I'm learning the theory and, you know, learning how to read what they call the SATB, you know, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, um, musical scores. And so, and I also took a guitar class, some vocal classes, jazz theory, counterpoint, you know, and I'm no expert in theory, but I mean, you can hand me a piece of music paper and I know what's going on. Um, I started getting involved with writing music in my 20s. So I I like to say I'm, I'm fairly decent on acoustic guitar. I play actually at mass every weekend with my wife. My wife's a singer. That's how we met was music. So I'll get to that later. And I did a lot of performing with her in our 20s. That was the original goal when we were first dating and married. And then once we had kids, um, I started focusing more on working. So I would do a lot of the side gigs, you know, uh, recording sessions, live shows, um, would sometimes start writing music, which I've been lucky enough where some of my music's been featured on television shows around the world. It's called the, they call it music sync now, but it used to be called music licensing. You know, everything changes in the, in the industry. And I still do it. I mean, I, I'm still performing in some of the local clubs here in Tucson, but I've also been expanding into some other genres as well, because I guess at, as you get older, you start getting a little, uh, restless about what you don't want to do the same thing over and over. And last year I actually got involved in performing with musical theater 
which was great because a lot of times now they use pre-recorded tracks, but every now and then they hire musicians. And there was someone I knew that was in a play, uh, she played violin. And so she contacted me. I said, yeah, I'd love to do it. And just to do something different. And it was great because the music was amazing, but the, the songs were challenging to play because I had to read the whole time because there was no way to memorize all the music. And of course, instead of following like your lead singer in a group that you get used to following, I'm up there on stage with multiple singers and they all have their own way of doing things. And I really enjoyed it. What was great about that, and this was kind of a faith thing as well, is um, I, I started to introduce my wife to some of these people because I was, I was in about three musicals at one point. And uh, she sang and she likes that kind of stuff. And so I introduced her to the lady who runs one of the theaters. And I kind of jokingly said, you know, my wife sings, you know, kind of hint, hint. And she ended up getting into uh, getting a part in Ragtime earlier this year, which was an amazing, amazing performance here at Tucson. And she met some amazing people and became really good friends with them. So she started working with them in other places outside of theater. And what's amazing is one of the one of the groups is actually a chamber ensemble, and they'll do a lot of traditional classical pieces. And then the second half of the performance, they'll kind of pep it up a little bit with some, you know, like uh, spirituals and other upbeat songs. So then, of course, when that happens, my wife wrote me in and I'm playing percussion on some of it. But um, the interesting thing about it was the, the there's a couple that runs this particular production company that does that's running this chamber ensemble. And they're both actually they're not Catholic, but they're devout Christian. So they the way they conduct the group is very healthy and faith-filled. And my wife talks a lot about how, well, we always seem to find people that are faith-filled that we work with. And that's been one of the refreshing things is we're able to still do our music, but at the same time, we don't really have to compromise our own morality to do that. Wow. You weren't kidding when you told me at the beginning, before we started the show, that you wanted to share some things about what your wife is doing. Um, and, yeah. and admittedly, I didn't know exactly what direction that would go in. So I'm happy to hear this great news. And I know we're going to talk a lot more about that. Yeah. Now, before we go on the break, I would like to address um, to the newcomers to the show who haven't met you before, mm -hmm. this wonderful book, I Am His Mother. Can you take uh, you know a few minutes and just tell us about the book? Because uh, I, I highly recommend it. And he's talked about it on other podcasts before, but of course we can't miss an opportunity, can we? So oh, please thank do you. tell us more. Um, it came on my heart a long time ago, um, just sort of, you know, what if Mary had written a memoir, some kind of diary, if you will, of her life with Jesus. And um, it, came up, it came about because I was just listening to some Marian songs, watching some really good faith-based films where I, I felt they did a really good job portraying our blessed mother. And I just started writing. And all of a sudden, what came out was this, this book that um, is, is broken up in a few sections. Um, I like to, I kind of focused on the fact that she lived with John in Ephesus. So he is the beginning and the end of the book where he talks about what he found. And apparently this memoir, which of course, I'm, I'm not saying it actually exists. It's just, it's a fictitious sort of artistic liberty I took. And the ending, he kind of finishes it up with what he saw later. But as, as we're going through the memoir, the first half of it is she's reflecting on everything from the Annunciation all the way to about the finding in the temple when he's about 12 years old. So 
sort of like a mother sharing her son's story. And of course, with her in the back of her mind, knowing who he is and what's to come. And then the middle, to break it up a little bit, I chose three figures from the gospel that Christ encountered that um, obviously they could not see him in the flesh now. So they would go to her because of the fact that she's the closest thing to him that you'd have post um, ascension to heaven. And, you know, I think we've all been in that position before where we were unable to speak to someone, whether they were just unavailable or if they had passed away already. So we would go to the closest person who might know a little bit about the situation. So there were a few little I's and T's that weren't dotted or crossed, if you will. And so they go and speak to her and she knows more about them than they realize. So she kind of helps dot those I's and cross those T's, if you will. And then the last part of the book, the second half is Holy Week. And that was, uh, that was a very difficult part to write, I think, because, you know, my faith and my love for a blessed mother, but, um, just the fact that you know, as a parent, I, I I can only imagine what the pain would have been like to go through that. Not just the crucifixion and the passion of crucifixion, but also, you know, seeing where he's being rejected. And as every day goes by, there's you're one step closer to the inevitable. And but just then, just that beauty of seeing her faith and her hope rewarded, because obviously, once he was going going to rise from the dead, he was going to have that moment with his mother. I mean, the church even talks about that, too, where, you know, obviously he would have appeared to her as, you know, an individual uh, experience because of who she was and just the selflessness of her, too. I mean, obviously, you know, the idea that, you know, she still would have done whatever she had to do, which we kind of see that in Acts of the Apostles anyway, but where she's going to continue being that messenger, you know, that person who's going to, you know, show us her son. And so I just thought, you know, what, what if I was able to find a way to deliver that sort of a maternal thing, maternal experience, which is kind of weird, obviously, because I, I mean, I might be a parent, but I'm, I'm a father, I'm not a mother. And I guess I've been blessed in a way because a lot of the women who have read my book have, have really complimented that I, like they always say, you nailed it. And I'm like, okay. And of course, when my own mother told me that I was very, I was very pleased because I was always kind of afraid she was going to say, well, you know, you didn't get this right or you went too far with this or whatever. And it was also really important to me because I know some people are probably wondering, it was very important to me to be faithful to what the church teaches. So in a lot of the sections where there's a new chapter, if, if there's even a suggestion of scripture on that part, I actually put that at the beginning of the chapter. And um, I try to keep it as close to the, both the Bible as well as the traditions we have about Mary and the church. Yeah, you did an amazing job. And um, as I keep repeating, you know, you, we've talked about it before in other podcasts, but there's a couple things that I want to mention about this book. The one thing I love is the dialogue in the book, you know, the, the conversations that you have between, you know, could be between Jesus and Mary, whoever it is. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I think is very nice, especially for people like me who uh, are older, is the size of the writing. I mean, you can't see it here. Uh, the size of the print is very, very nice. I don't need to wear any kind of reading glasses or anything. It's a nicely large size book. I mean, you can see it next to me here. It's mm -hmm. not a tiny little book. I love the artwork on the front too, by the way. My brother-in-law did that. So oh, he's a graphic artist. Yeah, he's Look amazing. Mm -hmm. So pretty. But anyway, it's just a great book. I mean, Carlos, uh, he actually signed my book. Of course. And I You're love that. Friend. And I have a little note from him too. Oh. But anyway, 
Um, I can't recommend this book enough. And so go to Amazon and get I Am His Mother. We're in holiday season, you know, it's coming up. So um, buy the book for a friend of yours, especially a person of faith. Mm -hmm. Now, we do have to take a short break just for uh, like a minute or so. Um, we'll be back in just a, a short bit. So we'll see you in a few. Welcome back to Journeys in Faith on this Friday evening with my friend, Catholic author and speaker with Catholic Speakers Organization, Carlos Solorzano. And during the first half of the show, he talked a little bit about his faith journey. He talked about uh, music and his uh, teaching, catechesis, and also his book, I Am His Mother. Now, I know, Carlos, that you wanted to share a little bit more about the things that your wife is involved with. Yes. Um, you talked a little bit about wet our appetite, um, but please do tell us more because I know that there's some great things going on for her and for you. Yeah. So we live um, 15 minutes from, it's a place in Tucson called the San Javier Mission. And our development is actually next to the reservation, but the mission is a little ways from where we live. And they have a school and it was a K-8 school and about two years ago it closed. And my wife had made the decision um, last school year, she was gonna move on from her previous job. She just wanted to change. And it was a little stressful for her. It was like a lot of work and she needed a break. And so, you know, wanted to do more things for herself and to spend more time with the family. And so long story short, the, the diocese approached her and no one knew that they were actually wanting to reopen this school. And, um, so they're in the midst right now. She's the new principal of the school, but it's not open yet. This is the year of preparation. So she's in the middle of um, taking care of infrastructure, um, doing all these other administrative things that I, as a teacher in the educational business, want nothing to do with. I always tell her better you than me. I'm terrible. I'm sorry. But, uh, but she's been uh, receiving invites to go to a number of community events and some faith events that have gone on the mission. And it's interesting because we live close by, we've been there a million times, but these are things that we didn't really know about. And um, I, one of my interests before getting into theology of the body was a lot of people call it global Christianity. So I'd study a lot of the different 
uh, faith expressions around the world, not just in the West. And I love it, but I never really had a chance to really sit in person with some of the, the Native American customs. And it's been interesting because there's been a lot of stuff that, you know, she's learned about the, they're called the Tohono O'odham people. And uh, a lot of the struggles that are very common on the reservation life that these people have. And yet we've also been a had, had a chance to attend a number of, of different community events where we've had a chance to meet the people and she's been promoting the school. She's met a lot of the alumni from the school and they, you know, they, they miss the school and, or you have some parents who want to send their kids there. So they're going to reopen the school next year. They're going to start uh, kindergarten through second grade just to start. And then year by year, they're going to add a grade. So from K to three and I'm not sure if they're going to go as high as middle school, but I mean, I know that they're looking, you know, three, four, five for sure. And I've really had a good experience when I've had a chance to, to go to these events with her because I've gotten to meet the people, seeing how these people practice their faith, um, attending some of their uh, Catholic devotionals where you have the um, people doing their native or indigenous expressions of faith, but then you also have the friars who are there who are, you know, they come from the Franciscan order, but they're also very open and supportive of the people's traditions. And that's been a really beautiful experience for me, um, learning a lot about their struggles. It really humbles you because um, when you go through your own struggles, you you, know, you, you always kind of realize there's someone going through more. And also just, you know, seeing the beauty in these people when it comes to their faith. And obviously they're always looking for help. So if anyone was interested, it's, it's just called San Javier Mission School. And the Javier is X-A-V-I-E-R Mission School. And it's in, it's in Tucson, Arizona. But like last week, there was a trunk or treat event at the recreation center. And we were there and a lot of the people from the, from the parish were there. So we got to talk to them and meet a lot of the kids. And some of the kids are, you know, toddler age. So they're looking at maybe going to school there in a couple of years. And it's just been a wonderful experience to meet these people. And in some ways, to be honest, it's been a little, a little embarrassing almost because I live right here, but I just never really went there for these things and, or we just didn't have access to the you know the regular life of these people because uh, we didn't you know none of us and my family say were um, active in the parish we would just visit the the area and sometimes attend mass or just go see the mission or a lot of times if we had people that visited and they wanted to see Tucson and were interested in some landmarks well that's one of the historical landmarks in Tucson well obviously for Catholics it's a lot a lot more than that so it's been a, it's been a really interesting few months to 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 meet these people and, and learn a lot about their culture and their faith traditions. Good to hear because it seems to me that you and your wife and your family, you keep active in so many different ways. I mean, your music, the writing, mm -hmm. teaching, family yeah. life. I mean, it's great. And now you're doing this too. So mm -hmm. is there anything that you want to share with the audience in terms of if they want to learn more about this? Is there something we can go? Um, I, I know that the school has, well, the parish has a website, San Javier Mission in Tucson. Um, I know that the school just started up a Facebook and Instagram site. It's kind of funny because when we go to these um, events, my wife will sort of shoo me away and get her phone and do like a quick video, selfie video update of what's going on, you know, because they're trying to promote the school. But uh, it's also a place just if you were to ever visit this area, you're talking about a mission that it's literally almost 500 years old. It's still an active parish. They still have regular mass. Um, I mean, people do come to visit as tourists, but it is an active parish community. 
and it's just it's just, it's on the reservation but it, you can see it from the 19 freeway when you're heading into tucson or out of tucson and uh, it's a place that people from all over the world go to every single day my wife sees buses come all the time people from norway or whatever because they love to travel and visit these different places and i, I would encourage anyone to come out to tucson and see that as much as i want to go back to philadelphia and see all those beautiful east coast churches yeah no that's a great idea and i thank you for that like call to action to the people that are watching so mm -hmm. please do check it out and google it learn more and go visit um now you are a speaker with catholic speakers organization correct uh, i know that you know that that's something that you're you really want to talk about and and explain to people what you do mm -hmm. so can you take a few minutes and just tell us a little bit more about that because i'm sure that there could be people watching that once they learn about what you do that they want to book you to come out sure that'd be great thank you um well i mean i've done talks for middle school high school uh college level uh young people adults i've done it for um i've led retreats i've done stuff online i've done conferences i mean whatever it is i'm very comfortable you know talking about whatever topic people want me to speak on the majority of the talks I do are on uh, theology of the body and or what I guess people sometimes want to hear sexual ethics or something because there's theology of the body tends to create a emotional reaction one way or another, unfortunately. But I mean, obviously, we're talking about church teaching, but the main thing is dealing with the issues that our culture is facing. Um, somehow, I in my job as a teacher when I got into the morality courses I got thrown into that and it, it's nothing it's nothing that's ever made me uncomfortable so but I also like to use a lot of medical and psychological information to not only share to show some of the challenges that we're all dealing with and the consequences of behaviors certain behaviors but also to reinforce church teaching because obviously it's we're not just a you know a church where it's like sola scriptura the bible says that's it no we unfold the teaching and we have a lot of wonderful uh teachers and apologists out there who will really show how through creation and the way god intended us to be this is why this is called truth so that's been a big topic and a lot of a lot of times um people will bring up you know marriage and divorce and annulments homosexuality transgenderism just the cohabitation things and, and a lot of the confusion and a lot of the emotional and psychological struggles people are going through because of really falling into the cultural mindset that's not always giving us the full story of what we could face if we go into those behaviors that and i've been getting really into apologetics in terms of really talking a lot about secularism and atheism and a lot of times i think a lot of people feel ill-equipped to deal with it and sometimes i think with my talks whether i'm educating or informing people here's what you really need to know and or just showing them look this is what it really is like for example one of the things i always like to bring up is that you know when people have religious beliefs they're subjective which is fine because beliefs you know subjective beliefs are part of being human because we have experiences and that helps that helps form our perceptions of the world around us well atheism is a subjective form of belief secularism is a subjective form of belief you know our political beliefs or cultural beliefs they're all subjective so it's like they're not more important or more valid or more credible than your religious beliefs i mean even science you know as many people like to turn to science for all the answers well science can't answer all the questions there many scientists have openly said we're not here to answer all the questions we're only here to speak on things that can be testable and proven 
but a lot of stuff it's on a theoretical level and i've even heard scientists say if we could even give you the reason for the big bang it would lead to a thousand more questions so no we're never going to know everything but sometimes the problem is we have this perception that a certain discipline has all the answers when in fact they don't that's well said and it gives people a good idea of kind of where you're coming from in terms of mm -hmm. being a speaker at their parish or organization now mm -hmm. if i'm correct i think the way that they could book you would be to google or look up uh carlos's name and then mm -hmm. catholic speakers organization mm -hmm. yeah so i have a page mm -hmm. put the, yeah yeah all you need to do is just uh go to that page of catholic speakers organization mm -hmm. i think it is like dot com possibly i believe so yeah and then i should know you, this huh <laughs> right and then you could or you can just google like carlos's name carlos solarzano mm -hmm. catholic speakers organization and then it'll take you right to the page mm -hmm. and then you can learn about you know how you can book him mm -hmm. um now i'm in philadelphia he's out in arizona but like he'll go anywhere in between right mm -hmm. i mean you'll, absolutely you'll you'll visit anywhere so that's great now we are headed toward the end of the program already. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it. It's only a half great. hour show. So that means we got to have you on again, as I, as I think you've been on so sure. many times, but, um, what final words do you have for our audience before we end the show? I am encouraged actually. I, um, I was sort of taking some time away from ministry for a while for had some number of things that to deal with personally and professionally and just kind of getting life together. And, but I'm also encouraged because um, while I'm getting back out and doing more again, I've been seeing a lot of a lot of people with questions or there's been a hunger of people who want to know more about their faith or they're not really of that background and they want to learn more because they're interested maybe in taking their life in a different direction. I'm also encouraged because with my job, I'm seeing a lot of young people who are asking a lot of questions and they're very open to what we have to say. Um, just the fact that people are willing to dialogue. I think sometimes we have to remember that a lot of the, the tug of war we see with, with people of faith and the secularism or whatever, a lot of that's a media uh, narrative and it's not necessarily true. I mean, you go out and talk to people in the streets, it's not, it's not like that. A lot of people really do wanna have conversations. Um, being a musician, I get to meet a lot of different people, different backgrounds. And I've had a lot of great conversations with people who you know, oh, you're Catholic. And, and then they find out I'm a theology teacher and, and then right away they have questions. And, you know, they'll ask me in a very polite and a very curious way. And I try to, you know, speak to them in a very respectful way as well. And and it's amazing how just, it, you see the wheels spinning and then sometimes they wanna come back and they wanna talk some more. So don't be afraid of the hunger. Don't be afraid of being curious ask your questions and to the people out there who teach well it's our job to answer those questions so you know just we all can learn more and the more we learn the more confident we are to you know understand the faith and then also to share the faith with others and deliver the teachings and then we all have a better understanding and hopefully a deeper faith life ourselves thank you so well said i always enjoy having you on the show and just being a personal friend and sharing our faith. So my two calls to action is to get the book. I am his mother, it's holiday season coming up and to go online and Google Catholic speakers organization, Carlos Solorzano, so that you can have him come to your church or organization. Carlos, thank you, thank you so much again for being a guest on Journeys in Faith. Thank you, I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Look forward to doing it again. 
Absolutely. And we will see all of you here. We are the first and third Fridays of every month here on the Anne DeSantis YouTube channel. Please do join me again. God bless, and we'll see you then. The St. Raymond Onatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith was founded in 2015 by the Mercedarian Religious Order with a mission to make pastoral outreach to families in crisis. The friars came together after attending the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia with hopes of creating a foundation which could help those families and individuals who have faced tough times and need to know that the church cares and is there to help. Since that time when we were founded, the foundation has helped hundreds of families by offering prayer, priestly consultations, podcasts and videos, and programs and events. Whether it is something to do with divorce or separation, trauma, job loss, loss of a loved one, relationship issues, or other crisis, the foundation has seen lives transformed through the services we provide. Pope Francis has referred to our world as a field hospital, where there are a great deal of individuals and families who feel abandoned and they need the special outreach of those who truly care and wish to show the face of God to others. As a foundation, that is what we do every day, and we're grateful to people like you who help to make a difference for families in crisis. Please pray for us and for our mission. Would you consider a one-time or recurring gift? Please go to nanatas.org to donate. Thank you sincerely from all of us at the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith.